the business of searching for vulnerabilities. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Avi Rubin, professor of computer science at Johns Hopkins University and founder and chief scientist at Harbor Labs. Welcome, Dr. Rubin. Thank you. It's great to be here. What does Harbor Labs do, and what motivated you to found the company? So Harbor Labs is a computer security company. We started out as a consulting company, and what motivated me is I think I've always had an interest in entrepreneurship and in having my own company. And I found myself several years ago with some really good students at Johns Hopkins who were graduating and weren't sure what they wanted to do. And so I thought I would start a company and have these guys come work in the company, use the talent that I had and all the security training that I'd given them and that my colleagues had given them. And so we started out as a consulting company. And over the time, we've developed some really good clients um, and have started building a product. And so I'm excited to say that we're actually a month or two out from releasing our first real product. One of your specialties is analyzing firmware and application software for security vulnerabilities. You've been doing this since, you know, for a while, as you pointed out, since 2011. Over that time, how has the industry improved at building security in at the design level? Well, I wish I could say that the industry overall has improved a lot, but one of the trends that I've seen, especially with the Internet of Things, is that the industry is often pushing towards quick release. They want to beat their competitors to the marketplace, and so they push their product out before it's quite ready sometimes or before they've put in the proper security review. And so you find that a lot of the products that hit the shelves, they might look good and they may have a lot of features that are interesting, but they often lack basic security. How, then let's talk about how that's evolved. I mean, how has the technology behind vulnerability and analysis evolved since you started your career? So I think it's evolved as software has gotten more complex. We've seen the number of tools proliferate and we've seen the number of lines of code in any type of device increase. If you look, for example, at a Nest thermostat, that's got tens of millions of lines of code, which is more code than 10 years ago you would find in a desktop operating system. And so we know that one of the greatest metrics in software engineering of how many security flaws and bugs there are in code is how many lines of code there are. It's a metric that's held up in software engineering over many years. You have more code, you have more bugs, you have more bugs, you have more security flaws. And so part of what we're doing uh, with our product that's coming out now is trying to automate the discovery of security problems in IoT devices. Are there particular categories or devices um, or applications that seem to be less or more secure than others? And if so, what makes them that way? Well, I think that the ones that we're finding are least secure tend to be built by the smaller companies. So when Google puts out something or Amazon puts out Alexa, they have large teams of software engineers and developers with a lot of security training and they put their products through a lot of testing. But there are so many products that you can buy now. If you walk into Best Buy, you can find you know, dozens of products that are called smart and they're devices that you can get. And many of these were built by very small engineering teams. They were pushed out on very aggressive schedules. And so they have inherent security vulnerabilities in them. And so I'd say that the trend is towards you know, mom and pop, software development, you're gonna have a lot of security problems, established companies like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, they're putting out better stuff. Although 
I will say that Nest, which is owned by Google, recently made some headlines because uh, they had weak passwords and somebody was able to spy on somebody's kid by logging into their Nest camera because all you really need is their username and password and then you can watch what's on the camera. How can math save us from hackers? So that was the title of a talk that I gave once and I think that math goes a long way towards helping us. If you think about it, a lot of cryptography that you see today is based on mathematics. It's based on advanced number theory, prime number theory, and if you look at something like Diffie-Hellman key exchange or the RSA algorithm, they're all based on mathematical concepts. And what's really cool about public key cryptography is that the concept of having two keys, a private key and a public key that can be used to uh, establish a shared symmetric key, that concept was announced in 1977 by Whit Diffie and Martin Hellman without actually having a solution to how it could be done. And so then, a lot of mathematicians went to work and Rivest, Shamir, and Edelman were the first ones that came out with RSA and they showed that there's an algorithm that can have the properties that were predicted. And so it's kind of cool to think, you know, the geeks, the mathematicians, they're often teased when we're younger. I put myself in that category with those geeks, um, have actually laid the foundation for what is allowed for e-commerce, what is allowed for digital contract signing, and the security that we enjoy in many protocols that we have on the internet is all based on pure mathematics, number theory. I have a family member that um, has a pacemaker. And the idea of that be, being hacked is, is scary, not just to the person with that, but the family members as well. How, how serious of an issue is that? Well, I think it's a very legitimate concern, but I worry sometimes that the headlines and press around the vulnerabilities in the implanted medical devices uh, the biggest danger is that people will be afraid of them and they won't get them when they need them. That said, it's been shown that a lot of devices, medical devices in particular and implanted ones, do have vulnerabilities sometimes. And so I think it's important to see the manufacturers doing security reviews of their devices, making sure that they consider the security threat as well as the safety threat. I mean, the real difference between safety and security is that safety is concerned with making things making sure that things operate and they don't fail on their own. Security is about making sure that things don't fail when there's an active adversary that's trying to make them fail. And historically, medical device manufacturers were very concerned with safety and they ignored security. Then there was a paper several years ago about these um, implanted defibrillators, pacemakers, and showed that these devices can have their dosages changed wirelessly, that all kinds of attacks are possible, and to their credit, the industry really took note. And Harbor Labs does a lot of work with medical device manufacturers. And we've seen a real shift in their attitudes. And they seem very interested now in doing things securely. In fact, we've been hired on several occasions to do security designs and even implementations for people that are making medical devices because they came to us because they want to make sure that these things are done securely. So then from the customer's perspective, from the consumer side, what kind of questions should we be asking? What features should we be looking for to help in understanding the security and quality and lifestyle of our smart home tech or our health tech? Well, I think those are different questions, uh, the health tech versus the smart home tech. I think when it comes to health, it's of utmost importance. And I think it's reasonable to ask the medical provider, um, you know, what is the 
effort that was done to secure these? Have they been tested for security? Do they meet FDA guidelines for security, et cetera? In the smart home, it's also important. It's not necessarily life or death, but you don't want strangers to get into your cameras. Um, one of the big concerns is that the IoT devices in a smart home will be used to launch distributed denial of service attacks against other places because instead of having one or two internet connected devices in your home, you know, I recently ran a scan on my own home just to see what I had there and there were 24 devices, some of which I had not even considered were on the internet. You know, I have them smart switches and I have a smart doorbell and I have all these other smart things and they add up and each one of them has a processor, memory, storage and software running on it. And if that software were to, be, were to be compromised, that would allow someone to use that as an anonymous launch pad to attack other systems. And we're getting towards billions of devices on the internet, and many of them are under distributed administrative control. And so there's no one central point where all these things can be secured and administrated. Dr. Avi Rubin, professor of computer science at Johns Hopkins University founder and chief scientist at Harbor Labs. If somebody wants to connect with you and find out more about the work that you're doing, how can they do that? Sure, I'd love to hear from people uh, at Hopkins. I can be reached at Ruben, just my last name, at jhu.edu. Harbor Labs is the same, Ruben at harborlabs.com. Send me an email and I'll be happy to chat. Thanks again. And if you guys wanna find more of my interviews, you can find me at tanyahall.net. I've got links to all my social sites. Thanks for watching.